You're listening to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy, where we cover sales, investing, and entrepreneurship with an emphasis on real estate. Each podcast, Terrence and his guests will bring you informative and inspiring information within the real estate industry. Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Entrepreneur. Today, my guest is Billy Kills. Before becoming a real estate entrepreneur, Keypun Cashflow's founder, Billy Kills, worked in the corporate world. In fact, he was one of the best corporate soldiers you'd ever want to meet. During his corporate career, Billy put his leadership and relationship building skills to good use to help clients get to the root of issues and that they were holding them back to keep them from full success. Billy earned his stripes as a true problem solver, a skill he carried into his entrepreneurial life. What made him popular with employers who sent him across the globe to meet with Fortune 500 level clients is the same thing that makes him popular with investors, buyers, and sellers of real estate today. His skills and coming up with real solutions that work in real world for real people. Today, Billy is an international real estate entrepreneur, problem solver, author, coach, and mentor. He also has the Keypun Cashflow podcast, and he's the founder of that. He sees opportunities where others often don't see opportunities in real estate. Welcome to the show. I like to start off with a quote. It's a quote, and it says, any investment you make in life, there has to be a return. And I want my return. Deion Sanders. And it's funny because that quote he talks about, he says, hey, man, I'm giving you my time. I want to see you, you know, go do go like take action with what I'm telling you. Right. And then if you invest in something, you want to return. And it's not just capital return. It's our energy. It's our time. It's our resources. And so that's what we're going to do today. But hey, I want to bring Billy on, man. You know, welcome to the show, bro. Hey, Jess. Thank you very much, man. I'm looking forward to that. And I agree with Mr. Sanders. <laughs> you definitely want to get that return on your time because you never get that back ever. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's good. Well, tell me about it, man. So you're a real estate entrepreneur. You have a very unique story. You're in Europe. You've been there 20 years. Tell me about it. Just walk me through your journey and two minutes on how you even got into real estate, How what led you to real estate. And, and just just give me your journey real quick. All right, sure. So if I start going too long, just cut me off, man. So I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. Come from a very, my parents, neither one of them had a chance to finish college. My dad never went to college. Um, just grew up with really strong, hardworking values, right? Um, I was then very, very fortunate. Ended up uh, putting myself through a university. I graduated two degrees. Was first one in the family to do that. And then afterwards, uh, like a lot of people at that time, I was strapped with a lot of debt, but I had this amazing job that allowed me to work and travel throughout 58 different countries uh, right out of college. And so that changed my whole world, like a guy from Columbus, Ohio. And I, I did not see myself working in a normal nine to five job, the quote unquote normal nine to five. So I was accepted at a university in Paris on, for a one year sabbatical, right? I wanted to, I moved to Paris, France. I was there at the Sorbonne as the university. And I wanted to learn French language and culture. I wanted to learn how to salsa dance. And I wanted to learn more about wine. And so <laughs> I was able, was able to achieve those three things in less than a year. But when I was working and traveling those 58 countries, I was working with a lot of C-levels and, and founders of major Fortune 500 companies. And so I was crazy enough to actually pick up them up and say, hey, look, I, you, know, you mentioned if I ever wanted a job to, to do that. And so I was following up, ended up finding a role uh, worth working in a multinational, got into the IT sector, moved from Paris down to a town called Montpellier in the South near the Riviera, not too far. Uh, so that wasn't bad for a guy who was 27 years old at the time. Ended up meeting a, a wonderful uh, lady there. Uh, she's from Spain. Uh, she ended up moving back to Spain. I moved to Italy to start up a sales team. was there for a while, then went back to uh, France and then eventually been in Barcelona, Spain for the last 15 years, got married and have two kids. And so that's a little bit about me really quickly. How did I get into real estate? Well, I've, uh, I am a recovering perfectionist, was the A student, was doing all the things I was supposed to do. Uh, got moving in the corporate job, moving up the ladder, moving up the ladder and spending all these crazy hours doing that stuff. And then outside, I was doing exactly what they asked me to do, which was put all my money in my 401k, my retirement plan. Yep. And in 2000, I kind of got hit in the gut once. And then, and they said, Hey, don't worry about it. Just wait it out. It's going to come back. It's going to come back. And so I did that. And then seven and a half, eight years later, I got hit in the gut again. Big time. My parents, my parents always told me, they said, look, Billy, if something happens once, it's, it's shame on them. But if it happens twice, shame on you, the exact same thing. So I was in 2008, I was like, I got to do something else because I was tired of doing what I was told. And then my financial life was out of my control. Just so happened I'd seen this little purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, started reading through it, didn't finish it. But I thought, wow, this seems really, really interesting. So a couple of years later, I actually picked it up. I was traveling back from the United States on a flight over back here to Europe. What year was that when you picked the book back up? 
I picked the book back up and actually finished it. It was 20, 2000 and let's say 11, something like that. And then okay. it was probably another two years before I actually even purchased my first property, right? This goes back yep. to the being this perfectionist, recovering perfectional stuff like that. And so, yeah, I got into real estate because I was looking to gain more control over my financial life, man, because when I was doing the corporate thing, it was working well, but my financial life, I was doing what I was told and it wasn't working. So um, that's how I got into real estate, man. That's awesome, bro. So as you were going through that journey, now walk me through, you got the book, you started it, you took a couple of years, you got back in it. Now walk me through that first investment or that first, really, what was the breaking point where you decided to take action? That's the key word. Yeah. So I decided to take action. And just when I realized that I couldn't just keep doing this because like the stock market started moving up again. And, and I was like, well, this is just going to, it's just going to crack again in a couple of years. And so I had money in the bank because I'm working as a, you know, a high wage earner and I'm in a, in a big company. And I, and I thought to myself, well, you know what? I have the money and now I got to do what the book says. And so my whole thing is I thought that I was going to actually do that in Spain where I lived, right? Because I hadn't figured that out from the book that you could actually be a long distance investor, which is what I love doing today. And so when I started trying to look into buying properties in Spain, in Barcelona, where I live, it, like the numbers weren't the same. And I was like, mm. well, this is not working. Like the book says that I should be able to make two, $300 per door and all this kind of stuff. And it just wasn't the same. And it wasn't until somebody told me one day, they were like, well, man, you know what, Billy, you're a US citizen, man. Why don't you just, why don't you just invest in the States? And I said, well, have you not seen the Atlantic Ocean? Like there's like tens of thousands of kilometers, miles between where I live and, and, and where I would buy a property. Like in the beginning, it wasn't any more sophisticated than I had the money. I didn't want to lose control of my financial life like I'd done the previous two times. Like this was the time I, I needed to do something. And the way that I made the decision is I signed up to some MLS listings. I ended up basically saying, if this whole thing goes bad, like, can I buy in at least in a place where my family can bail me out? Like somebody can go over to the property. And it wasn't any more sophisticated when I got started than that. Wanted more control basically had the money, got on the MLS, had a, people in the area, and I bought my very first property, which I thought was going to be that single family house. It ended up being a smaller duplex. And actually, to this day, I've never purchased a, a single family house. But um, Wow. So I'm going to dive into that. Yeah. So that's, that's a little bit about how I got, how I got started in, in the process, which is, wasn't very sophisticated to actually get started. I think that's the issue right there, right? Because you fit in a perfect category of someone that I've been wanting to get on the show, right? A high wage earner, very sophisticated, very sharp. And I actually talk about this with a lot of my C-level clients, right? And just dudes I play with in the NFL, like they make a lot of money, but they spend so much time in their craft that they don't put that same energy into their personal finance or their, their financial literacy piece. I mean, it just struck. I mean, you just, literally, I don't know if you, for everybody watching, like it literally hit my heart when you just said that. Because I talk to so many people that are in a corporate job. You know the people that I'm talking about because you, you're talking to C-levels of companies where they know more about the project that they're managing or the software that they're getting ready to sell and what that is to return, but they don't even have their own finances in order. Like yep. when, and, and, and they don't, they, they won't understand or you won't understand exactly what could happen or what, what potentially would happen if you don't get your own house in order. And that, that is really frustrating at, at times. And for those people that actually want to sit down and listen, it's almost like you help them have a light bulb go off in their head and say, wow, you know what? I didn't ever even think about it this way. So yeah, I got a lot of energy on that, man. Oh, for sure. Because I think the, the reason is because athletes are the ones that get highlighted in the media. Well, he made millions of dollars and now he's broke, right? He did this and now he's broke. Well, it happens also in white collar finance companies. You'd be blown away that people that are involved in finance for a living, they end up making lots of money and then they give it to a financial advisor and they don't really know what's going on. So it's not just the athletes that are doing it. It's, it's everybody, the high wage earner who's not really putting that same energy because a lot of times they don't have the energy. They work so hard and they spend so many hours in their day to day. Well, they're just like, you know what, Billy, Terrence, deal with it. Like, I know you're going to take care of it, man. Like, go with it. And I think that's the issue. Yep. That is exactly it. That is exactly it. And you talk about that exhaustion because they're working on their craft, right? Whether they're literally working on their craft or they're on a plane, they're on a train when we could actually get out there and travel and so exhausted by the time it's all done, there's not energy to actually start to 
worry about yourself and your family and your future. And yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. A lot That's of good, bro. But yeah, because you can make all the money, but if you're not, you know, if you're not putting it in the right asset classes and the right management and the right strategy, and I always tell people, I think the thing I'm gonna hit and then we'll move on is that same energy and time that it took for you to get three degrees or not even get any degrees, but work your way up at the corporate ladder or whatever it is, just put a little bit of that energy into your personal finances and you'll see similar results. But we make that, there's a disconnect there that people aren't seeing. And, and obviously you had it and then the light bulb went off and you're like, okay, I need to put a little of the same energy that I'm literally in Europe as an American moving up the corporate ladder. And if I could just turn around, put some of that same energy into what I'm doing or into what I want to do, I'm going to see similar results. So first purchase, you never bought a single family rental. You bought a duplex. Walk me through that deal. What that looked like. Where was it located? Let's talk through that one. Yeah, sure. So it was. Um, so it was in uh, in New Jersey, and which is well, I, I bought in New Jersey. I, I did that. I didn't know any better. And basically, I'd, I'd assemble a team from friends and family because I didn't even know at that point in time how to go about getting a loan uh, from the bank because I never, I, nobody in my family knew anything about real estate. So it was a completely foreign concept to me. And my dad and my stepmom, they knew someone who worked at a bank. The banker kind of told me a little bit about the different types of uh, mortgages, fixed rate, variable, all these different kinds of things. And, and it was just going to be something that was very traditional. So an investment loan, put my 25% down on the property. I then met from the banker. I met someone who was a general contractor. The general contractor then introduced me to someone who was the agent, put me on their MLS list. And so it was just literally me going through every day. And once I finally saw the property, um, it was like, all right, now it's time to purchase this property. So get the property. It was a, a person who inherited the home from their mother, wanted to move to Atlantic City. And so just didn't want it. I think the property at that point in time was on the market for like $95,000. Ended up being able to purchase the property for just under $77,000, something like that. Put another $20,000 into it. And it just so happened that at that time, was able to rent out both sides of the property at $1,400 each. Wow. So, I mean, just to, just off the top of my head that once we closed the, the, the um, and I put $20,000 into it, but the, the mortgage, I think was $300 or something like that. And so it was you know, just the mortgage. And of course I had the interest payment, taxes, the, the yeah, yeah. taxes and all that other kind of stuff. But, and then I started realizing, wow, this is something that can be really, really interesting. At that point in time, though, Terrence, I was really focused on how much money is this going to be bringing me in every month, every month, every month. And that's really what my focus was because I was just trying to get more control and got the property, Was the tenants were there and I was managing the property from Spain. Wow. So it was, yeah, I mean, it was just, I learned a lot by being able to do that. And, and at the same time, it's not something that I would definitely, it's not something that I would recommend to everybody. I mean, my process has definitely gotten much better since then, but at least I got started. Wow. So you were self-managing it in Europe. How, how are you collecting rent and stuff and maintenance? Yeah. So one of the things that we did, so the, the general contractor that I, that I knew, so he was playing handyman right? Which was okay. Like that was fine. And he was in the area. Remember I had family in the area, but one of the things, so having worked at a really, having always worked at really big multinationals, what I started realizing, there's a lot of transferable skills that I've gained uh, from leading large sales teams, uh, working in complex sales arena. And so this was an opportunity to really say, all right, well, how can I put all this, like these different skills to work? And so like talking about rent, one of the first things that I thought to do at that point in time was rather than having someone go pick up the rent, how about having the residents actually go and pay their rent at the, at the bank, right? Wow. There are better ways to do it, not do it, things like that. But this is where my mindset was at the time. I didn't want to have that somebody going to pick up a rent check because it just doesn't seem very efficient to me. So we figured it out with the bank so that they were able to make the deposits in the bank, didn't get any of the kind of information, but that was how we handled it. I also recognized that I'm all the way over here. So I've got to be able to somehow get uh, allow the residents, if something happens, the, the, the typical toilets and termites and all that stuff, like, how are they going to, like, I got to, I want to give them r the right service. So I got an answering service. I, I, I was doing this again. Once again, you're part of the learning process. I'm doing these things and I'm learning how to find an answering service. And I'm going to all these different answering services. And I found an answering service that was 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So no matter what happened, the, the, the residents call, their tenant calls, they get somebody, they answer the call, and then we got a, an email right notification or, a, or an SMS notification. So we were able to give that service 
And, you know, I'm six hour time difference from where my properties were. So there were times where there were sleepless nights, but it was more worry than anything else. Nothing major, major happened. Um, but those were kind of, you asked about the, those two things specifically, that's how we handled those rent payments and, and the different um, operational things that would happen. So work orders and stuff. Yeah. And there's nothing like actually getting in the game, right? So you got in the game and then you were able to see the beauty of cash flow. Because like you said, 70 grand, another 20 grand, you're less than 100 grand in, your note's $300 a month. I mean, you're making 1400 aside. Let's just round up, right? So you're making $2,800. Let's just say 3000 I mean, you're cash flowing almost two grand a month. Yep. Wow. So what's the next step in your journey? After you see this, you're learning, you're doing the self-management, which is what I tell every investor. I say, listen, in the beginning, if it's your first property, manage it yourself, because then you will always have an appreciation for management. You'll always have an appreciation for getting a 2 a.m. phone call about the toilet. Like you really realize real quick. So what's the next step in your progression as a real estate entrepreneur? Yeah. So afterwards, you know, it was basically when I saw this and I was, once again, I was very, I would say money focused at that point in time. And, and, and I saw what was happening. I had a really positive experience. And so six months later, I bought another, another property, a quadplex. And then another year later, I, I did the same thing. And then all of a sudden, like after a year and a half, two years, there was so much money coming in and the systems weren't in place, right? I, I didn't expect to move so quickly. And, and that was not even, now that I look back on it, could have moved a whole lot faster and done things a whole lot differently, but this was my journey, right? And yep. so I got to a point where I needed to stop, ended up getting a, starting to connect with people back in the United States because the culture here, rental or real estate investing and things like that is not as big. It's not as visible as it is back stateside. And so I started meeting people online and things like that. And then I actually, I got a mentor, went that route, was great for me. Um, then I found out something that's called passive investing, which I didn't know a lot about. But I thought, wow, this is I'm, this is going to keep growing. It's going to grow. And then there was an opportunity to invest in a very large apartment building. And I thought, well, you know what? This is great. Cause it, and I started having in my mind, like, if I'm doing my day job, but this is actually seeming kind of cool. I'm using a lot of the same skill set. I can do this. And I started finding out about something called syndication. There was an opportunity. So I took that opportunity to kind of learn what it was like to be on the oh, client end, right? On yeah. the investor end. And so that worked out really well. Actually, it was working out really well. And then afterwards, I was like, okay, well, there's another new opportunity come in on my for my own. So I bought a mobile home park uh, just outside of uh, of Charlotte. I then had a process. I I knew why I was in Charlotte when I bought my first property. I just bought it because remember I was looking to get more control. I had enough yep. money and I had pro- family there. Afterwards, yep. I realized that I started working on the opportunity. I looked for the opportunity first. But then what I realized is that I'm someone who needs to and wants to scale a business. So I got really clear after going through the mentoring and things like that on what is it that I actually was looking for? And at that yeah, time, what was trying to yeah, I, I, what I was looking for was freedom from the, the corporate role, wanting to have the, the ability to go in and, and be a happy corporate employee, like I say I am today. But I got clear that I wanted real estate. I wanted it to provide not just time freedom, but the benefits were really on cash flow and some appreciation, but really it was about cash flow. And so then afterwards I thought, okay, well, this is what I want. Where are the locations that actually provide cash flow? Is it New York? Is it Los Angeles? Probably not. So then I had a, you know, I looked at a bunch of different places, uh, ended up, came down to Atlanta, Philadelphia, Ohio, Columbus, and Charlotte. So I actually then went to Charlotte because I knew I could get cash flow in that market. From there, I built a team and I did that from Barcelona, built a team in Charlotte, that helped me find the right opportunity. And that opportunity was buying the mobile home park. So my company, we bought a mobile home park outside of, uh, outside of Charlotte MSA. And then afterwards, there was another investment opportunity in passively because I always want my capital to be moving. It always needs to be on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. And so then I invested passively in, in ATM machines. And, and then afterwards, it's starting to continue to build the syndication profile. And now and have just recently... Uh, we just closed out on a on a very interesting capital raise, uh, about one point five million dollars, and for equipment for large pieces of equipment in the energy field. And so, I mean, this is just this is just to kind of give you an, an example of part of the journey is as someone who is a a high wage earner, someone who's also in retiree, like we're helping them to realize that you can literally understand what it is that you want to invest in. You can be anywhere in the world you want to be, especially nowadays. And I think these last couple of months have really proved that. And really, truly live the lifestyle that you want to live. Yeah, that's good. Dude, 
There's a lot of nuggets. I got a whole page of notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, bro. Well, I want to dig into that, right? Yeah. So there's a couple things you said that I want to highlight. One is earlier you talked about skills, transferable skills. I think we all have life experiences. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different subsets and skill sets that could apply to our real estate entrepreneurial journey. And that's the first thing I want to leave the listeners with. Take a step back and look at your life and don't focus on what you do not have. Let's focus on what you have, because everybody, if you're comparing yourself to Billy or Terrence or whoever, you're going to always feel subpar because there was a time that we felt subpar, but we decided to move forward anyway. And so I want to highlight that you have a skill set. You have something in your background that you can leverage to help you get on this journey of financial literacy and becoming a real estate entrepreneur. So I wanted to hit that because you said that. Another thing I want to hit, then I'm going to ask you a question. Everybody wants to become the multi-million dollar developer overnight, right? Because with all the HGTV shows and the Chip and Johanna Gaines, whatever, you said one thing, you said, I purchased my first property and in six months, I purchased my next one, then a whole year. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, right? I see two types of people right now. They get all the information and then they take no action or they get all the information and they run off there too fast. They get over their skis and then they wonder why it didn't work out. So is there any wisdom you want to add to that before I ask you the next question? Well, I mean, you you hit on something that was that's really interesting because and this is what, where being long distance has, I guess, played to my advantage now. Uh, I'm somebody who loves control. And I could imagine that if I would have purchased the property in the same town as me, and this is just me, right? Everybody's different, but I'm sure that I would have gone to that property every day, multiple times a day, made sure that every single thing was perfect, exactly the way it was going to be. And I probably would have spent a lot of time just on that one property, right? But when I am thousands of kilometers, miles away, what it forces you to do is really focus on the process and what is happening. And when you don't know what you don't know, it takes you a lot longer to get things figured out. And I bought the first two properties, what I consider to be pretty quickly one after the other. And if I would have had another opportunity, I probably would have gone. But because I knew what my parameters were and I didn't allow myself to go outside of those parameters, that's the amount of time that it took me to find the right next property, which was the third property. So once I got clear on you know, what it was that I really wanted to look for and how I want to look for it. I just, I trusted the process that I put in place. And, and, you know, that's why it took me that amount of time. And even when I had the process in place, things started getting out of control once I got to 10. So I had to literally stop. I knew I couldn't keep doing it. Yeah. Because you will always be evolving, right? That's what I tell people like, wow, I, I don't want to change. I'm like, I'm not asking you to change. I'm asking you to evolve. Yeah. Because we're all going to hit a ceiling in our business because it's called scalability, right? You can't scale I always say it's like a rubber band. Like if you stretch that rubber band, if you sit a rubber band down on this table in its current state, not being stretched, you don't see any cracks. But as you start stretching that rubber band, it starts showing you the cracks. And that's all your business started showing you is, okay, we're at 10 properties. We're in these different locations. Your rubber band had got stretched. So these cracks, I got to, I got to fix them. One thing you said earlier is your journey. I think that's important because I want to, I want to tell everybody like be inspired by Billy's journey. Be inspired by Terrence's journey and anyone else, but don't compare and don't feel like you got to do it the exact way that we did it because it's called your journey for a reason. So let's jump into this next thing you said. And I really think some wisdom in that. So you had the duplex, then the fourplex, then the, the multifamily deal. Let's talk about the syndication. So when you decided to get into syndications, if, if I come to you, Bill, and say, I want to do syndication. Where would you tell me to start and what would the like the basic fundamental things I would need to know in order to start doing that? Sure. You know, and I, this is probably on the back of 25 years of working in very complex sales where I've sold, you know, on a in the software space where you have many different people that are involved and you can be selling up to, you know, 25, 30 million dollars or euros, dollars on one single transaction. So there's a, as you said, take this as kind of with that foundation. But the first thing is, and I guess I would just simplify it, Terrence, it's like anything, is if you want to get into syndication, the first question is, well, why do you want to get into syndication? That's good. Right? Why do you want to get into it? What do you believe that you want to be able to get out of it? What do you believe by being a syndicator is going to allow you to contribute to others? 
right? And, and just really get clear on what is your own personal reason for getting involved in syndication, mm-hmm. right? And there's no wrong answer. I don't think there's any wrong answer. You just have to be honest with yourself and saying, I'm getting into it for X, for Y, for Z, and being true to that, right? Yes. Is the first thing. After that is very similar is to say, okay, well now what education do I need? Because if you've never done it, it's probably a good thing to figure out a little bit about it, right? Because if you don't know what you don't know, then you can have a, you increase your possibility of hurting yourself and or others. And that's not anything that I would ever condone, right? And then once you figure out syndication and you, you're clear on why you want to do it, what lives you want to impact afterwards, it's then starting to figure out, okay, are there people that have done it before that you could either learn from, contribute to, right? And, and then get started. Like eventually you have to start. And I, like I mentioned, I syndicate capital for real estate, now for equipment, because I know that I'm working on solving another problem for those people who are retirees and high wage earners that have a real challenge. And the solutions that I can bring to them help them solve their challenge, right? Yeah. And those are people that are living in uh, France and Spain and in the United States, all over the place. But it's because I'm clear on why I'm in this area and, and what I want to be able to do. I've sought out education. I have people that are part of networks that I know that I can go to and get input and feedback from and that they're open and honest with me. And then I'm wor- always worried about making sure that I'm taking care of my clients, my investors. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like I tell everybody, never lose your integrity over one transaction. As a real estate entrepreneur, we got so many deals, so many opportunities that we can dabble in and be a part of. And why would I waste my energy (laughs) trying to get over on somebody on one transaction? Like it's a moot point for sure. And you hit on that. You know, it's it's short lived once you start moving towards being able to contribute to others, then you start realizing you're not going to contribute just one time. You want to continuously contribute to other people. And so in order to do that, in my opinion, must act with integrity. And that, you know, and if, and if you can't do that or choose not to do that, then syndication, uh, entrepreneurship is probably not the place you need to be. For sure not. Yeah. And if you have some success by doing that, it won't last long. No. So no, that's good, bro. So when we talk about opportunities, mm-hmm. we did the mobile home at Charlotte, and then we had some other deals. There's two points you made, and I wrote down diversity in real estate investing, because I think that's one of the deals where, what's the first thing a financial advisor tells you? Well, give me your money, and I'm going to invest it in the market, <laughs> right? And then they say, well, I'll make sure that we have a, a very diverse portfolio and a this and a that, right? And so everybody accepts that. But when we talk about diversity in real estate investing, where, hey, I'm going to go buy 15 single family rentals, then I'm going to get a multifamily small project, then I'm going to do commercial strip center, then I'll do whatever, right? Tell me why you decided to kind of jump categories and jump spaces. Because I, once again, it was, it, I knew what I wanted real estate, right? And I, and I know I, I kind of added this. I've been inspired by some other people that I've seen as syndicators that I, I like to aspire to become, like right? always looking to become that, that next person or that next version of yourself. And what I realized was real estate is a vehicle to provide a certain outcome, right? Mm-hmm. And so whether that vehicle is called small multifamily buildings or single family residences or assisted living facilities or, you know, medtail single space and triple net lease type of opportunities, shopping centers, whatever, right? Large multifamily buildings. And then even outside of that now is, like I said, things like large pieces of equipment or ATM machines. And because they're tangible assets, they are things that I can see that my clients, my investors actually understand. It's not in a black box somewhere across a a whole bunch of different companies. And because of that, it's something that I can help to explain to my investors, right? Because at the end of the day, if you understand that it's something that's tangible, that there is a, you're, something is happening to it and it's producing an, an outcome, then that is what my role is now as a syndicator is to bring the value to my investors. And sometimes yeah. that may be through a large multifamily apartment building because the investor is looking for the outcomes that that multifamily building can provide. Sometimes they may say, well, look, you know what? I've got, I'm making a whole lot of money. I've got a lot of ordinary income and I don't have a way to get returns to help optimize my tax situation. Well, you know what? If I have something that is 
inside of my area, my scope of expertise, I want to be able to help my investor and, and talk to them about that. So as a syndicator, I believe that it's important to understand what are the options? Like some people decide that they only want to do multifamily apartment buildings. And I think that's fine because that works for them. What works for me and for my situation on my journey is knowing a few things that are within that real asset space that I can also help people understand that it doesn't matter where you live in the world, you can partake in these types of benefits that this type of an asset will, will provide you. So- Maybe it's a little bit of a long-winded answer, but just to kind of give you an idea no, as to good. why I've, I've made that journey and that choice to select very few real assets and be able to do that long distance because it helps my, my investor pool. So I want to talk about that, right? Because first off, I want to ask one quick question, then I'm going to jump to the next. Mm-hmm. You mentioned being inspired, right? Because I know this episode is going to inspire some people, but you said you're inspired by some other syndicators. Who would be your top three syndicators that have inspired you on this journey? Yeah. And, and, and it's constantly evolving, right? And, you know, I was talking about a guy last night or I was talking to a guy yesterday, um, a guy named Jerome Myers. Uh, Jerome really inspires me because of what he's doing and the way in which he is doing it. So he's building communities, really helping people to understand more about joint ventures, syndication, and just really getting to understand that. Um, Jerome another, Myers. Yeah, Jerome Myers. Jerome is, Where is he uh, at? Where is he located? Jerome is based in uh, Greensboro. He's okay. based in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, yeah. He's someone who is uh, is really inspiring. Uh, there's another guy named Buck Joffrey. Uh, he's somebody, he's a doctor by trade, and he is someone who has now become a syndicator and he focuses on multiple different uh, asset classes. And so when I say that I've been inspired by them, and it's one of the things that you talked about before, it's not that I say, hey, look, I want to become that person, but I start realizing like, hey, listen, you know what? He's actually not just a multifamily apartment investor. He's someone yeah. who is actually, you know, he's multifamily. He is in, I think he's in ATM machines. He's in other things. So he has really understood his skill set and he understands his investor pool as well. And so w- uh-huh. when you start to see those kinds of uh, examples, it just makes you realize, hey, listen, there, you, you're only going to put the limits on yourself or the number of hours in the day because you, you literally cannot do everything <laughs> all the yeah. time by yourself. So yeah, so they, so they inspired me. Uh, they've inspired me a lot. No, that's great. And, and that's why I named the podcast Real Estate Entrepreneur. Yeah. We're investing in tangible assets. It just happens to be real estate centric, but we're really just entrepreneurs. And so velocity of money, that's a thing that Robert Kiyosaki talks a lot about in his books. And you said it earlier, I got to keep my cash moving. If you were to break that down in a very fundamental, basic form, what does velocity of money mean to you? It just means that my money, beyond what makes me comfortable sleeping well at night, right? Because I believe that if you're fortunate enough to have savings, meaning that that's the money that in case everything goes wrong, that you can sleep well at night. We're not talking about that. We'll kind of take that off the table. If I make it as simple as possible, the rest of your money is not just sitting somewhere. It is not in a bank. There you go. Or, or whatever you call it. Yeah. It is literally moving in some type of a vehicle. And hopefully that vehicle is also one that is creating returns and helping you to optimize your tax obligation. Yep. That's it. That's perfect. <laughs> like, we we could go into a whole bunch of complicated things, but that's it. I mean, that's as simple. <laughs> if we keep it simple, you ask for simple. So hopefully that was simple enough, man. So that was perfect, bro. I couldn't have said it any better. You know, another thing he says in his in his new book, uh, Why the Rich Get Richer, if you hadn't read that, bro, that's a, that's a great book. But he says, savers are losers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and also one of the top investors of all time, he calls, he says, cash is trash. Yeah. Right. And so because we're printing dollars. Right. I was just getting ready to say, yeah, if, 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 if the Federal Reserve um, would not continue to print trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars then the, the few bits of currency that are actually in the system, some would call money, would actually be worth something because when you put more and more into the same jar, by definition, each and every dollar is worth less than yeah. the ones that were printed before. it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, I de- I, I'm a definitely a big believer in that. And when you see that, that they keep printing and there's a, there's a great book that I read called The Creature from Jekyll Island by G. Edward Griffin. And it really helps you to understand the money game. Uh, yeah. It's a heavy read. And when you start understanding the importance and the role of debt 
in this yeah. whole game, then it, you start to get a clarity of vision. And that clarity of vision, it allows you to, it gives you a massive power to go yeah. out and decide on what you want to do and then act on it. For sure. Right. Because it's total opposite. It's like, first off, go to college, get a degree, get a great job, work for 40 years, retire at 62, invest in your 401k and wait on the government to take care of you. Right. That's what we've been told. And oh, yeah, pay off all your debt. Right. So you go on that role. And there was a lot of people in 08 that were right at that 50, 60, thinking they were about to retire and they lost their savings. And the list goes on and it's total opposite in the entrepreneurial world that we're in. And so people see us as radical when we say, go invest in a tangible asset. Don't just have money under your bed or in a bank doing nothing because inflation's eating away at it anyway. And right now on the money market, you're going to get maybe 1%, maybe. So you're actually paying the bank to keep your money. So Jerome Powell back, I think it was last August, because you know they, they do the thing in Jackson Hole, the Fed chairman, and I think he said that they want to have an average of 2% moving forward. So what that basically means is in the past, it's always been 2%. But if we're going to do an average 2%, it's just like you're saying, Terrence, well, to get to an average of 2% since the beginning of the inflation rate, then that means we may need to go to 2.5 or do we need to go to three or do we need to go to four so that we get the average, right? And so yeah. that's the whole part of the, the game when you start talking about and realizing that the savers are losers, as Kiyosaki says, because they're printing money and, they, and they're playing with the inflation rate. And if your money's just sitting in the bank, it's uh, it's a, almost a losing proposition, man. And look, there's plans for everybody. I was in that plan before and so stuff like Me that. Too. But I think it's, it's one of those things where you have to, when you, when you kind of are on the other side, you start to realize that there's something to be said about, let me put X percent of my money into this account, right? And on paper, it looks like I own this amount or on paper, it looks like I'm worth, quote unquote, this amount. But the thing is, you never touch that money until the earliest at 59 and a half because there's this fear of if I touch it, I get taxed 10% and then I get taxed on ordinary income rates, right? So it's like you're putting it there and you feel good about it, but you don't get it until 35, 40 years later. There's yeah. a big difference between that and saying that you're placing your capital, your hard earned money into a vehicle that will create returns for you, right? Real money that you actually have to take. <laughs> you, you don't get an option now, right? <laughs> or whenever the periods are. And and you can actually have the tax issue or whatever the tax obligation now, but you yeah. get the money now. It's not mm -hmm. kicking the can down the road. So when later on, when you're not working or you're earning less money, then you're getting these massive, you know, you're paying big bills because the cost of living is going up and you're getting taxed like crazy, right? then you, you, there's less time in life and there's less opportunity for you to kind of change around. So that, that was something I wasn't really clear on. And it's just something I've got a lot of energy and passion behind because I just see so many people that continue to buy into that as their only retirement. I mean, that could be a part of it, but, should, but in my opinion, it should not be your only retirement account. It shouldn't be. No, that's great, bro. So multifamily syndication, and then I want to jump to ATMs. So multifamily syndication, when you see, because I get this question, People submit it to me. So they get on these bigger syndicator guys' websites, right? Like Grant Cardone. I mean, he's he's killing the game. He's doing his deal. He's motivating a lot of people with his 10X stuff. Great. He's on his journey. Yeah, exactly. So we all got our own. But when you look at a deal, it'll say 300 units. Here's the IRR. And then here is the hold. So it's a five-year hold. And then here's your equity multiple. Because those are always the three points that they show, right? Walk me through that as a new investor, if I'm looking at these deals, because you know, you have the accredited investors, which I don't want to go into what that is. I think I've talked about that already to on, on net worth and income and all those things. But now they're letting non-accredited investors put their money into these funds. So that was the reason why the government, the SEC and everything put that in place for accredited investors who make a certain amount of money or have this much net worth. Mm -hmm. But now if non-accredited investors can invest in these things, if you if I was one of those non-accredited investors wanting to put my money here and I'm so inspired by this episode to take it out of the 401k, take my hit and say, I'm going to go invest in this real estate fund. Walk me through those three things, what that looks like. What, what is that? What does that mean? I don't know if you're going to if you're going to like my response on this. <laughs> and it's just because of what you what you've given me. So you said looking at the IRR, looking at the whole period and looking at the multiple, right? Yeah, that because those because those are things that are, are are very important because when you're very mark they're they're marketed is the key. yeah I mean they're they're very marketed but if I were the person that you just described none of that would matter to me yeah 
And the reason is, is if I'm not a an accredited investor, right? And you know, you have a, a million dollars net worth, not including your home, or you earn two hundred thousand dollars over the last two years, and you're expected to do the same this year. Or if you're married, it's three hundred thousand the previous two, and three hundred thousand this calendar year. At least the way it stands now, and you can now do it through getting some titles and stuff like that, or taking tests. But the thing is, is if you don't have the sophistication, right? And this yeah. is not about accreditation; it's about sophistication. It's about going back to what we talked about in the beginning. What is your level of education? Mm-hmm. Because if I tell you that the IRR is 17% or 28% and you don't understand the difference between the two, the risk that is re- related to the 17% or the 28%, you're probably going to go for the 28%. Wow. But are, but are you prepared for the risk that is attached the to the 11 Exactly. And yep. so the, the whole period, you know, typically people are going to say, well, yeah, there's, there's the sooner I can get my money back, the better. But if I tell you that it's going to take five years, but you don't understand the difference between looking at the business plan, that that's unrealistic, then that doesn't matter to you either, right? And then yep. the multiple, I can make whatever multiple I want up, right? And, and the reason I'm saying that is those three things, I think they're important, Terrence. And, and I know that your audience is here. They're listening to you because they are seeking the knowledge. They're looking yep. to get educated. So that's not going to happen to them, right? Yep. But that person who's not a part of your tribe that is not listening to you on a consistent basis, they could get tricked by these types of things. And so yeah. I would say that they really need to understand the team. They need to understand the team that is going to be operating that specific opportunity, right? That 300 unit apartment building. Mm-hmm. Have they done it before? When did they do it? Was it the similar type of asset? Was it not? They need to really focus on the team. Because if they don't have the level of sophistication or the level of education, they really need to rely on the team. And that's where the whole thing about relationships and understanding people and networking really, really can be your biggest ally because you can get lost in all these different numbers and, and, and stuff like that. So I would say really beyond the numbers, Terrence, it's really about understanding the team because you're placing your confidence, your capital, your hard earned years of work in these people. Yeah. Right? Because at the end of the day, it's a people business. And mm-hmm. do they have the experience, the expertise, the understanding of the location of the specific opportunity and things like that? So I would, I, you know, I would say for them, don't worry about the numbers yet. If you don't have that level of education or sophistication, really get to know the team, really make sure that that team understands and can make, explain it to you in a way that you feel comfortable. Because yeah. when you place that wire transfer or you make that, write that check, you want to feel comfortable that you at least understood the opportunity, the risk associated, et cetera, et cetera, because we want you to sleep well at night. Yeah, dude, that's good. That's a great response. So let's pivot. So now velocity of money, syndication, you built teams, you've grown these portfolios. You're really an entrepreneur. Let's talk ATMs. Because if I'm a listener, I'm like, okay, if he's killing it in real estate, right? He's gotten the different projects, different states. He's out of the country. Why move to ATMs? And I want to only bring that point because right now, ATMs and trucking for our culture, right now for our culture, there's a lot of people talking about trucking businesses and ATM businesses. Why pivot and go there on the ATMs? Yeah. So if I tell you about the ATMs and you'll really be um, thinking about why am I in energy? Because that one, <laughs> that <laughs> one is the one that is just for our high wage earners. This is the one that's just unbelievable. Um, yeah. Unbelievably good, right? Yeah. But yeah, so the ATM play is always want to keep our capital moving, right? You always want to make sure that your that your your capital is running. It's on the treadmill. And so when I started looking, there was a part of my portfolio that I wanted it to be doing something. And so I, through my network, knew someone who was working with the top um, five, you know, a top five operator of ATM machines in the United States. Mm-hmm. And I was curious and I started learning and I started reading and I started guess what? I'm asking questions. I'm sending emails. I'm getting the questions clarified. Like people, you know, cause I'm living in Europe and people are talking about here every single day, or, you know, are you going to be using an ATM or cash is going to be away? Are we moving to cashless societies? And so there were some doubts that were in my mind, but when I started looking at the data and I started recognizing that the fed doesn't stop printing trillions and trillions of dollars, right? I think you, you said that already, right? You exactly. Right. The supplier is there. So in there, there are so many people that continue to use ATMs. When you're at a truck stop, you're at a restaurant, you, you just need it. Or maybe that becomes your bank. Your ATM card becomes your bank. And so you are consistently at the ATM. So 
once I got educated and I understood that there was a public that we could serve, then it made sense for me and my portfolio, right? I was looking for returns. I wanted cash flow and I wanted some tax benefits. And so this was something that helped me on, on my passive income. And that was a play that, that helped me, that helped me there. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't more sophisticated than that, but that was the work that I did to get to that point. No, love and then finally get finally made the investment in it. So real quick, I want to run through just a quick like if we said, oh, your first investment property. Oh, yeah, it's hundred thousand dollar property. I put down 20 percent. I took debt on 80 percent. My note was three hundred dollars. I cash flowed it, you know, whatever, whatever. Walk me through that ATM scenario. It's, it's funny because we're even having this conversation. I didn't even I didn't know that beforehand. Right. But actually, my kids, I'm teaching them about investing and I've already talked to a lady who is walking me through the steps because I'm actually going to set up ATM businesses for my kids, my 10-year-old, my six-year-old, my four-year-old. And I'm trying to teach them through something very tangible that they can drive to and we can take them to it and say, you're going to manage this ATM, right? Or whatever. If somebody else is considering it just through a basic fundamental of ATM investment. Let's say you put in, I don't know, let's say you have $100,000 or something like that. Or we'll say you put put in $50,000. You say $50,000, you're going to put in this ATM machine, this ATM machine over a period of seven years, right? You're going to put your money in and then you are going to get payments every month of, let's call it a thousand bucks. You're going to get a thousand dollar payment every year for the next seven years. So that's 84 months, thousand dollars. You put in 50, you get back at 84. And along the way, you've also had some tax benefits as well. Yeah. Right. There you go. And, And the question is, do you want that initial $50,000 in this example? Is that the best use of that $50,000? Is that in the place that's going to allow you to sleep well at night based on the return that you're going to get back from the money, right? From placing that capital and that trust in a team of people who are going to make sure that they are operating those ATMs or that fund of ATM machines on a daily basis, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the dynamic with those numbers and, and those timelines. That's perfect, bro. Perfect. Couple more questions, man, before we close. Yeah, yeah, sure. What's the most surprising thing you wish you would have known before you took off on your real estate journey? If you if you said, what's the one thing that I like, I wish I'd have known that, what would that be? That I could actually place my money in something that literally gave me money regardless of whether or not I wanted it. Wow. Right. Because what I did before was either 401ks or, or stocks. And when I did the stock, like you have to ask for the transaction to position, right? You need to get out of your in your position, out of your position. Yep. And you always need to be watching your iPhone or your whatever to make sure where, where are we on the ticker today. And so it's kind of in my mind today, that's really fictitious. If I would have known that I could actually study somewhat similar, probably is going to cost me a bit more to get in those types of in- investments. But I put my money somewhere and then it, it's giving me money <laughs> even if I don't want it. Yeah. So that, that I wish I would have known that early on in my no, career. That's good. That's good. What do you see as the biggest opportunity in the next 12 to 24 months? continuing to syndicate capital and doing that in my situation in the energy sector, because it's just, there is a lot of focus on that. And when you're able to do it in a way that literally can help people to get the types of returns that they're looking for and help them on their ordinary tax, meaning the money that they're earning by going into their jobs every single day, it's something that I personally get very, very excited about. And I know that over these next 12 months, going to be able to help and we'll be helping lots and lots of people. Wow, that's good, bro. So we always have our guests come in and bring a book, but you have something unique you want to talk about. So tell me why you're suggesting that. Obviously, it's your podcast, but let's talk about it. So you didn't have a book, but you have a podcast. So tell me about that. Yeah, the podcast was something that has been on my heart for a while, Terrence. And and quite honestly, it was something that I was afraid to do, right? Because as a corporate employee, I always thought that I was going to get judged by other people if they saw me or heard me doing or focused on something else that was not my job. Mm-hmm. And I'm working in a really demanding, a highly visible kind of role. And yeah. so by being able to help other people that are like me and doing it in a way that is on a very visible platform, like all the, 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 the podcast platforms on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook, on all these things, it was a big deal for me. I was afraid, literally afraid. And so to be able to get out there and then be able to share stories of people that are other long distance investors that are experts in their field. Maybe they're in a specific location or they're people that are like me. They're high paid professionals and they've been investing in real estate on the side. Now they see that things are moving in the right direction and they want to learn from other experts or know about new markets because they want to 
maybe invest in a different location or they want to learn about a new part of a real asset class that they can invest in. And what I've seen is, you know, we started about six and a half, seven months ago, and we've had, you know, 78 episodes that have come out already and been very, very just blessed to have so many people uh, join me and share their stories. So I I just, I'm excited about it. And I feel uh, good about the fact that I broke through that fear that I had about being judged. Actually, I found that a number of people are even that I work with, they're really interested in what I'm doing and it's opened up some new conversations. So love it, bro. So give me the name of the podcast. Yeah. It's the going long podcast with Billy Keels, the going long podcast with Billy Keels. Yeah. We were really there to help people feel much more comfortable and confident investing beyond their backyard. Love it. Final thoughts, man, for our listeners, our tribe, as a real estate entrepreneur, what, any final thoughts you want to close with? Well, you know, Terrence, I, my, my goal always, and I know you and I talked about this in the beginning, was is really to hopefully at some point someone has taken, you, you know, as you're listening or you're watching, that you've taken away something that has helped you to say, you know what, I can, I can go ahead and, and take this next step. Just take that one step to help move you in the right direction so that you feel much more in control of the things that you can control, right? And that for some people, that means you've been thinking about picking up that book and buying that book. Well, you know, buy the book. You've been thinking about reaching out to Terrence. You've been listening for a while. Well, you know what? Why don't you reach out to him? This is like, this is the time. He's going to be able to help you. He's going to help to give you the right, share his experience to help you move in, in the right direction. Maybe it means that you're finally, you need to buy that property. You've been thinking about it for a while. Um, you want to reach out and build a new relationship with somebody, but hopefully this conversation has helped you to gain that bit of confidence to go ahead and, and take the next step, take that action. Because that's that's really where you're going to start to to learn and grow. Man, that's awesome, Billy. If someone's trying to find you, website, email, social media. Yeah, sure. So I try to make it really easy. I mean, most people, you can find me just by Billy Keels, B-I-L-L-Y-K-E-E-L-S in Google. And you can find me. Um, you can find me at my website, billykeels.com. I would love for you to reach out on LinkedIn and just find me there on LinkedIn. But definitely do me a favor. If you reach out on LinkedIn, let me know that you were here listening. You invested your time listening to Terrence and I speak because that's something that's really important. So so please do that. Don't just send something that's generic because Terrence and I both want to know about that. Uh, and yeah. then I would also say, for those of you who've talked about the podcast already, um, if anyone wants the book and you want to kind of read about what it's like to be a long distance investor, uh, just go to growyourmoneythesmartway.com leave your email address, leave your name. We'll get that out to you. Also connect you with our community as well. Um, but you can learn uh, a bit more about it there. And for those people that are highway journeyers or people that are over 59 and a half and have been in, uh, have your capital and you're looking to do something outside of Wall Street and you want some new ideas, you can send me an email to energy at billykeels.com. And uh, I'd be happy to share and exchange some ideas with you uh, there as well. So you can no, go to bit.ly B-I-T forward slash speak with Billy. And uh, we can get on a call and that's uh, like free call. I don't have anything other than just to be able to share my experiences with you. So um, that's it, bro. man, Terrence. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity uh, that you've given me to invest my time with you, with your tribe. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. I love your questions and I, I love what you're doing here, man. Man, thank you for being a guest, bro. And when my wife and I get ready to come to Europe, I'm going to look you up. Please do. That's on our bucket list. So love it. Uh, when we start really traveling in the next couple of years, we're going to start traveling a lot. So, man, thank you again, bro. Look forward to connecting with you soon. And thank you for just taking out your time and your busy schedule to invest in in our tribe and put back in the bucket of, of the people that are going to be inspired by this podcast, man. So thank you again, bro. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Please subscribe on whichever platform you are listening and consider leaving a five-star review as that will help us gain traction and continue to bring you knowledge in the real estate industry. For more content, head over to terrencemurphy.com. 